Hi there, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast, which presents the interviews from our live stage shows. Today's show features a conversation with the mayor of St. Paul, Melvin Carter. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have so many. Look at all these note cards. I don't usually prepare for shows. but like, I don't either. So uh, this is good. We'll do great <laughs> together. Uh, everybody wanted me to just start by asking if you got here by scooter. Um, I did not get here by scooter. I did not. Sorry. But we will be, what's tomorrow? August 1st is tomorrow, right? Yeah. So we're going to be scooter-free in St. Paul. Scooters are going to be everywhere the, starting the tomorrow. The terrible blight of the scooters, the our, our long city nightmare of scooters. Ter- this has been a year of blizzards, rock slides, uh, and uh, parking ramps and scooters. So, But you, I, I read somewhere you had said that scooters could be a fun way to get around the city. Yeah, one of the challenges for our team was we had to figure out how to get them allowed in time for me to ride one. Yeah. Like, Have you ridden gonna, one now? I haven't yet because I feel like somebody will like, tweet it, but come August 1st, I can do it. Oh, you can do it on August 1st? Yeah. Because, wait, they will be legal or no? I thought you said we're getting rid of them on August 1st. Yeah, I guess when I, I said scooter-free. Scooter-free. Scoot, I meant like we're free to have scooters. Oh, we're free Paul, to have scooters. Wow. That is, that is the complete, it's a opposite complete opposite of actually. what I thought. What I meant to say... I said we would grace. have scooters. I meant to say we would not have scooters. We would, okay. So, good. That's very good. So, wait, just, yeah, can we read the transcript back? So, tomorrow, everyone will get a scooter. Scooters, you get a scooter. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's great. Just the one, yeah, like, you get a scooter. That's end of list. Uh, so, all right, okay, so uh, let's talk about some things. So uh, you were actually part of, we did a St. Paul mayoral forum, yes. and you were a part of that, and you were fantastic, and you're wonderful, and I assume that's why you won. Um, so I appreciate you doing that. I looked back. We do a thing uh, when we did this mayoral forum where we asked you to give a speech as though you had already been mayor for four years at that time. So you, we flashed forward to 2021, and we asked you to give us. And there speech. was music. There was music, yes. yes there was underscoring. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, so I went back and I watched that just to see, like, what you said, what you promised. So just to, okay, so one of the first things that... One of the first things that you talked about was, so we changed from uh, chasing symptoms to addressing core issues. Yes. Yeah, that's a good, it's good. Uh, so how's that going? We're on our way. It was 2021, though. It so was, that was we're 2021. Getting started. That's, a, that's a critical thing that we have to do, right? And that's one of the conversations that we're having right now as we're in our budget cycle. Uh, and I hope you know about the kind of community engagement budget events that we've had around the city. And one of the conversations that we've had, a huge conversation we've had over the last month, is about uh, police and adding police officers. And my response has been that our goal isn't to add as many police officers as possible. It's to invest in the type of community that needs fewer police officers. And so that's part of what I was talking about there. Thank you. And in the same way, we had a rough winter and we have potholes all over the city. Are we going to invest to go chasing all our potholes and filling potholes? Or are we going to finally invest in our streets in a way that our children have to deal with fewer potholes in our city? So there's all kinds of those spaces. Uh, Homelessness, we are are willing to fund homeless shelters and homeless services. uh, But we haven't put big money into housing and making sure that people have access to affordable housing. So in 
a million different ways. We have to get to our core challenges. So uh, let me let's let's do a plug. You're doing these uh, budget uh, community engagement events. What does that look they're like? Games. D- d- they're games. So everybody comes in, and it's like there's a there's a big spreadsheet, and it's like a Sudoku puzzle, yeah. and you have to fill it out for the city. Or yeah, the reason it's a game is because at the top of the sheet it says game, and so that makes it fun. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, so we're bringing people together. We've had a great series of events, seven all over the city. Like, uh, what does it look like if somebody walks in? We like, ask people to come in, and we give them a worksheet that says we have to solve for a $7 million budget gap. Uh, and there's some things that we could cut and some things that we could add, and we have to figure out how to make it equal zero. And they all tell us, like, here's the things that I'd like to see my city prioritize, and here's why. They give us a lot of kind of feedback, and then we kind of have a beer. Is there – Really? Yeah. That, that's fun. Uh, so is there, why not the beer beforehand and then see what oh, people yeah. like? Well, there's no enforcement off. of the beer. Room. Yeah. So what, what, has, have there been any surprises out of this? You're like, oh, wow, nobody cares about animal control like, or something. Everyone can, cares about animal control. Uh, the raccoon put <laughs> our animal control on the front row here on the uh, front lines for us. Um, the big surprise has been, one, the number of people who really wanted to engage in our budget process. You know, when we first did it, I thought nobody what? You was thought coming. you would put budget process out there and people wouldn't just come <laughs> flocking? I, I don't know. We're, look, on a Sunday, 90 degrees, Sunday afternoon, people are out, you know, having a beer, yeah. talking about the city budget and thanking me for it. So it's great. Yeah. Um, but the number of people who have come out has been fantastic. The way people kind of really get in and get in, get energized about it, you know, and, and there are certain things uh, like fireworks, for example, uh, that we all love fireworks. But when we deci- have to decide, do we want to cut Sunday library hours or raise property taxes by $100,000 for fireworks, we realize maybe that's not one of our priorities. So the extent to which people are willing to kind of come along with us has been really helpful. Yeah. This room is supportive, but I am. I did want to ask, what were the emails you got after the fireworks thing? Um, the funnest one was he'd clearly be on the British side, like, <laughs> which didn't feel like a stretch at all to me. That felt like that's yeah. probably like if you didn't personally like fireworks, you're like a red coat. Yeah. And so, but you know, we got a lot of kind of patriotic ones, and you know, folks, there would be people who would say, "How bad a." shape of the city budget in if we can't afford to spend $100,000. And I say, well, we can afford to spend $100,000, just not on fireworks. Uh, and, you know, people, I think, would be understanding of that. There was a couple St. Paul residents who kind of came, most of them came from, like, very helpful places like Texas and New Mexico. Um, but every now and then a St. Paul resident would go, what about the fireworks? I want my fireworks. Um, and I'd say, well, do you want me to raise your property taxes by $100,000 so we can have fireworks next year? And they go, No. And so that was kind of the end of the con- – it was a short conversation. People would ask me, have you tried to get a sponsorship? Have you tried to get this? Have you tried – I'd tell people, like, I'm trying to raise the minimum wage, so no, not at all. And <laughs> but the short conversation was, do you want fireworks? Yes. It costs us $100,000. No. What's next? That was the entirety of our conversation about fireworks in the mayor's office. That's easy. It was yeah. pretty easy. Uh, so uh, there's, uh, we've already touched on like a whole batch of issues, and I want to get to several of them. You, are, you started right at the top with uh, policing, and I know that that – and this is actually really interesting to me because when we did our season back in Minneapolis, this is somewhere, as much as you and Jacob Fry have this bromance, you have very different approaches to this because Jacob Fry on our show said very clearly – I think we need to have more police because more police means more cops on the beat, more people uh, are able to interact in a sort of non-confrontational, friendly way with police officers potentially because police officers aren't just running from crisis to crisis constantly. You have 
gone in a different direction, or at least so far have proposed saying, no, more police is not necessarily the answer. So help me sort that out. I think everybody would agree we need a new culture of policing in our country. Uh, and just adding police, thank you. Just adding police doesn't change the culture of policing in our country. Uh, part of that is about efficiency. We've all seen the videos where there's you know, 23 or 24 officers around one person, and we go, why do they need that many officers around that person? You know, and, you know, or the protests or whatever it is, thinking about like, the efficiency. But then the second is thinking about just the role of police officers in our community. And the truth is, if we fund our recreation centers and our libraries and housing only however much we can afford after we hire 50 new police this year, 50 new police next year, uh, then we'll never be funding them. And so we'll never have enough police officers because that'll be exact. We had the conversation, my wife and I had the conversation. We were talking about this as like eating your vegetables, right? Vegetables cost a lot of money. They're expensive. If I can't eat my vegetables, uh, then I'll get sick and I'll go to the doctor and I'll have to take some medicine. And because medicine is what so expensive. What kind of vegetables are you buying? And because medicine, only organic. And because medicine is so expensive, I'll never be able to afford my vegetables. And so it, you get caught in a cycle that sort of never ends. So our goal is to say we are going to change our culture. We're, and, and listen, we have a great St. Paul Police Department. My father's a retired St. Paul police officer. Uh, but we, just like everywhere around the country, we have to prove a different culture of policing right here. So we are doing that. I'm working with our chief to do that. And that, that work is making progress. And in the meantime, we're going to invest heavily in our recreation centers, in our, in our libraries. We're going to invest heavily in our children. And we're going to invest to be the type of place where we're a safer community. Community and we need fewer police officers in the first place. So we need fewer police officers per capita. So, like, I know that... Are we at a point at this for this year? Because I know you're working on the budget this year. We're not going to add more police officers in St. Paul in sort of this year or next year? Uh, we haven't uh, actually brought that forward. And the truth is, I'm not against adding police officers. When we think about how we balance all of our... It's the same as, like, our... It's the same as running a house, right? You can't spend all of your money on food or else you'll never be able to buy clothes and vice versa. That we have to have a real balanced, per, balanced portfolio of investments in our community. Uh, right now, we have, on average, uh, we have in St. Paul right around 20 officers per thousand in thousand. Oh, I thought you were just about to say 20 officers. 20 officers I was like, period. wow. Yes. Uh, 20 officers, period. They are efficient. Yes, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, per per thousand residents. Right, okay. Uh, on average for cities our size, the average is 18.7 officers okay. uh, per thousand residents. So we're actually uh, above average size police department. But the other, the final thing is this. Uh, if, you, if you're arguing that we need more police officers because our city is less safe than we were when we hired the last 50 police officers, then you're telling me that that's not the, that's not the answer to the question, that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, two other things uh, in the, that sort of 2021 speech you gave, you talked about police there. Uh, one was, oh, more police officers from our community. And this is another conversation that we've had, I know, in Minneapolis has talked a lot about this. There's actually state law that prevents you from saying, oh, you have to live in St. Paul. In order. But there are some places have looked at having incentive programs, like maybe we'd give a housing voucher. So is that somewhere that you're exploring? Is there anything you can say more about trying to make it so more of the police department actually is from St. Paul? Absolutely. There's incentive programs, but part of it is as we change the culture of policing and people see officers in their community helping not just to chase around the bad things, but helping to create good things happening in our community, our young people who see them will be more likely to want to be a police officer in the first place. That's one of our goals. Another one of our goals, we have a great, I mean, as we think about our police uh, explorers program, we have a police athletic league, we have a career pathways academy that helps bring young people from our city into law enforcement careers. And those 
are the types of things that we can be doing, not just to say, now that you're a police officer, we want you to join St. Paul, but to say, our young people who grew up in our recreation centers and our St. Paul high schools, we want them to see themselves in that uniform and in that badge and aspire to be a St. Paul police officer and know that that's within reach. Uh Let's do, uh, let's do a hard uh, gear shift. I invited to... all of my friends That's here. good. <laughs> Thank you for the, your support. The uh, minimum wage. We did a whole yeah. show about minimum wage uh, two weeks ago here. It was uh, really interesting. We had two folks from the Citizens League, uh, Councilwoman Rebecca Naker uh, here. Um, and one of the questions I asked them was, well, Mayor Carter already explained in song that he supports uh, a $15 minimum yes. wage. Absolutely. Uh, and so why are, why are we even doing this show? Because we have a strong mayor system. So isn't that just automatically going to happen? I, I, I wish it worked that way. Um, we, so, yes, I support a $15 minimum wage. We are committed to signing that into law before the end of this year. Nobody who works full-time should ever be stuck work, living in poverty and raising their children in poverty. There's a lot of questions that we have left to answer, some of which I have a very strong position on, uh, like, a tip, like the question of a tip penalty. I think you know we need to make sure that we are providing the base levels of just consistent, predictable income for people across our city. We have questions about... you. you Youth workers, we have questions about, you know, small business and nonprofits and all kinds of kind of implementation details. So it's been really important for us to engage people's voices. That's a theme of our administration is having to engage people's voices. I believe that the disparities that we face here in St. Paul are a direct result of exclusive processes over time. And so if we want to turn that around, it's not about me disappearing in my office with my directors and saying we're going to make the decisions now. It's about us reclaiming the democracy, small d democracy in our city and saying this really is a government of the people and that's required for it to be a government for the people. Uh, and so that's our goal and that's why we're having a big conversation about minimum wage. And so what Councilwoman Nigger said is that, well, yes, we have a strong mayor system and yet still the council sends stuff to you. And so if the council sends stuff to you and you don't like it, you can veto it, right? And then we just start the process over again. So what are your red lines? What are the things that I know you just said like a tip penalty is something that you're just sort of like it's off the table. Are there other things? Like- I really haven't I really haven't set any red lines around yeah. it. I've said let's have a real community conversation. Let's build a vision for ourselves. The one red line that we've drawn is you don't get to come in the room and villainize somebody else for having a different opinion other than you. We do that too much. We're all people who love this city and want the best for our future. Some of us see it a different way than others, but we're going to welcome everybody into the conversation. That's the brightest red line is we're not going to villainize people who come to the conversation from a different perspective as us. Uh, okay. That's good. Uh, let's do uh, let's do a couple other big things. And I should uh, note, uh, second half of the show, we open up for you all to ask questions. So uh, please be thinking about some of those different questions. You want. Oh, so you've uh, put aside $50 for every child to go to college, which seems like, I don't know, not enough. Uh, but I don't, I mean, but I don't know. It's good. Thank you. Think that'll cover it? I don't know. It depends, I guess. So that's our goal. We haven't yet. Our goal is to put to create a college savings account initiative that would put fifty dollars in the bank to start every child born in this city on the pathway to college from birth. Uh, it's the most exciting thing that we're doing right now. A mentor of mine, as we talk about education, always tells me, "Stop helping kids beat the odds and start changing the odds for our children." So you're right. Fifty dollars won't pay for college, um, or let alone books for that matter. Uh, but Research shows that children who have 
a small amount of money put away for college. We're talking less than $400, $500. Uh, income, children from low and moderate income families are four times more, are some, I'm sorry, are three times more likely to go to college. And when they do, they're four times more likely to graduate, which says to us it's not really about the dollar amount. It's about the power of the seed that we plant when we tell our young people we believe in you enough to invest in you. So when you say it's not, it has a yes. Uh, it'd be weird if people didn't. Thank you. We'll be passing around a basket with donations. Well, that was just it. When it's not, how, how does it actually end up happening? Because that, like, where does this money come from? Uh, we're working on that right now. We've got a task force who's working on that with us. There are other cities who have done this. St. Louis, uh, most recently, San Francisco is doing this. So there are some large cities who are uh, committing themselves to this. We're, we'll actually be the first city that says we want to do it from birth and not from kindergarten entry. That's important because that'll give us an opportunity to engage those families in the early childhood where we know it matters the most. Uh, there's lots of research that shows that you know 95% of brain development happens before age five. So we want to be engaged with those families before age five. That only makes sense. We're working on how to figure how to how to build the kind of financing. We know we're going to be asking our private sector. We know we're going to be asking our philanthropy. Uh, we know we're going to anticipate putting some kind of seed dollars in publicly. Uh, and, you know, I'd like for us to have, I mean, listen, by show of hands, would you support it if we said, you know, if for 50 bucks you can help set a kid on the path to college? So we'll be calling you. This is how all democracy should work. There should be all this social show pressure. Of hands like at a show, bar. show of hands at a bar with yes. everyone glaring at you. Why don't you support the children? Um, uh, so uh, one, one thing that actually uh, is really interesting to me, and this is going to maybe segue into a whole conversation about uh, land and policy, really fun stuff. But uh, we, uh, we have talked before on this show about St. Paul has all of this land that is uh, controlled or owned by nonprofits, churches, state government, things like that. And so, was it two years ago, the Citizens League helped do a project where it was like, we're going to try and create a way, how do we get those folks to pay something? Because right now, by law, they don't have to pay property taxes, which means, though, that there's maybe a a gap. I think it's 30%, something like that, uh, of uh, land in St. Paul is owned by these things. And so they came up with this program, Lewin... Uh, payment in lieu of taxes. So you would go to something like the Children's Museum or like the, you know, uh, Minnesota Public Radio and say, please, could you, like, uh, give us some of the money that you would normally be paying? How's that going? Like, does it work to just say, hey, come on, guys. It's cool. Like, all the cool kids are doing the loo. I'm not sure about the loo. We haven't tried the cool kids are doing the loo bit. Um, There are cities around the country, Boston, Baltimore, there are major cities that are successfully implementing that what's called a pilot program, payment in lieu of taxes. Uh, One of the challenges, I think we need to orient ourselves around that conversation in a meaningful way because the point is important that we can't make them. Federal law makes them tax exempt, so we can't make them kind of do that. Uh, But then the second thing is, what I don't want to do, we're talking about nonprofit organizations. We're talking about churches. We're talking about hospitals. We're talking about universities. We're talking about organizations that are here for good, that are really contributing to our community. And I don't want to talk about them as though they're the problem in St. Paul. That's pretty important to me. Thank you. Uh, the other piece of that is, you know, as we bring them to the table, they want to be a part of building our city for the future. And so my perspective on that is, and frankly, we're still in the kind of staging processes of it, uh, but my perspective on that is, our colleges want to help educate children for the future. So instead of just saying, you know, we want this much money from you, let's say to our colleges, let's start really itemizing what your contributions are to this city are. And, you know, instead of saying, you know, we're going to hold your, your feet over the fire for a check, how about 
our local colleges work with us to make sure a college education is affordable for every child in our community? How about our hospitals help us make sure people can access preventative medicine? We can work with those nonprofit organizations to help solve the problems that exist in our community in ways that are that align with their mission statement and help us build our city for the future. So I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm the son of a Lutheran minister, so there's a part of me that's like, where does the shame come in where you just... <laughs> Like, you should be, like, looking around and being like, well, I don't know, Children's Museum. You know, the Science Museum kicked in $10 million, so. The shame. We could just get them all in a big room and ask them to raise their hand if yeah, they want to. Yeah, exactly. Who's willing to, to, who's willing to support <laughs> the Who likes children? children? Anyone yeah. here like children? Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, last piece, and again, open it up for you all in the second half of the show. Well, uh, let me start this this way. Were you surprised that you won as sort of in the first round of balloting? Like, because I think that a lot of people thought, oh, this is St. Paul, you have six ranked choice votes. Uh, there's a million people running for office. Yeah. Like, and then you just won. And then, were you surprised? Um, we were. My wife is in the back, Sakina, Dr. Sakina Futro Carter. Love you, babe. Um, thank you. Bigger, more, please, more. She, she'll, she'll be very angry with me about that later. Um, we actually, the night before election day, we gathered our children at the kitchen table and explained to them, this is ranked choice voting and this is how it works, so don't expect to know They're anything. They're still glazed over. Yes. Yeah. Don't expect to know anything tomorrow night. It'll probably be Friday or Saturday. So election night, like, they were, like, mad at us. They are like, we thought we weren't going to know until Friday. And we're going, look, we're doing our best. Like, <laughs> help us out. Uh, and so, yeah, we were pleasantly surprised. Uh, we spent a long time, and this is actually where this kind of focus on listening to people in our administration comes from. We spent, before we launched the campaign, we spent a year and a half just engaging people in bars and in living rooms and in coffee shops across this city. Um, and the vision that people, our, our, our entrepreneurs, our residents, our children, our families have for the future of our city is too often just bigger and bolder and more daring uh, than the vision that we dare to dream from City Hall. Uh, and so our goal was to build a vision for our city that matched what we were hearing, that really was in tune with what we were hearing from folks. And it was an honor that people really resonated with that. I mean, so I'll say I was surprised uh, that it went as quickly as it did for you because I thought, man, if all of those, like, stop the Ford plan signs vote, like, then it's going to be really complicated, like, to sort this all out by the end. Um, so I, I'm curious, like, uh, did those signs not show up to vote or like what happened? You know, you guys have heard about the Ford plant. Um, we have a housing crisis in St. Paul right now. Our city, we have the fastest growing city in Minnesota, faster than that other city across the river whose name escapes me. Um, We've added in the last, since the 2010 census, we've added 20,000 people, 24,000 people to our city, right? I just drove back into St. Paul. The, 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 the sign, the Welcome to St. Paul sign says population 284,000. We have 310,000 people in this city right now. We're growing so fast. Should we go change the sign? We should change the sign. That's the moral of the story. Um, we're growing so fast. We already have a, like a 2% vacancy rate right now. We have a housing crisis. We don't, we, as we think about rebuilding our city for the future, like playing it safe on the Ford plants and underplaying the opportunities we have really isn't one of our options. And so we just figured we have to be honest with people. Uh, I actually learned through that a valuable lesson. You know, those precincts closest to the Ford plant ran out of ballots on election day. Midday through the day, they ran out of ballots. And I'll be honest, it made me nervous uh, because of all of those signs. And when the votes got counted, those precincts came back for us. Uh, and it taught me a valuable lesson. Thank you. It, it, 
it taught me a valuable lesson about uh, the extremely vocal minority, you know, and that we have to do the work, the hard work of engaging with people, of talking to people, of really kind of meeting people in neighborhood spaces where they are so that we can hear the true kind of voice of community and not just the people who kind of always have a turn at the microphone. So you said we need to go all in on housing. And so we, the, I know that the, and we could, we could, and I think we have probably done an entire show on the Ford plan, but like, what does that mean citywide? Because I'll say uh, I live in South Minneapolis and South Minneapolis, lit- I came here because South Minneapolis right now is a war zone over this thing called the Minneapolis 2040 plan. Um, like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure my house is on fire right now. Uh, so uh, I'm curious, like, Minneapolis is having this fight in, like, a really big way right now. So what, what does it mean? Draw out some sort of vision that people can attack from all sides. Well, first. if you're passionate about... <laughs> If you're passionate about housing and affordable housing in particular, the first thing it means is you should come to my uh, budget address on August 9th uh, at Washington Technology High School at 6 o'clock p.m. Because we're going to have this conversation, the, cult- the culmination of these public conversations. And we're going to say that that's where I'll unveil the kind of uh, budget proposal that I'm going to present to our city council. Um, we have, when we think about our vision for us, people ask me all the time, what's your vision for St. Paul? And I think that's actually much less relevant than the question when our children have to decide where to plant their families or where to plant their businesses, what will they, what will they be looking for? So these big, huge battles that we have over bike lanes and over transit and over density, uh, over parks, all these things that are very clearly what our children are going to be looking for when they decide where they want to build their business. Um, I think it's, you know, we need to kind of just really start thinking about whether our goal is to just preserve this community that my great-grandparents came to 100 years ago, as is, as they found it 100 years ago, or whether our goal is to build the community that we know that our children will require from us. I don't even see how that's a challenge, and I don't see how that's a problem. I have no doubt there will be more questions about this uh, when we open up for the audience. But for right now, can we do a tremendous round of applause for our wonderful guest, Mayor Melvin Carter. Thank you. So if you have a question, uh, please raise your hand. I will race towards you in a non-threatening manner, uh, and I will give you a pop socket uh, for asking a question. There is a question all the way in the back. I'm nervous that this is... Wait, no, what? Uh, no, no, you just ra- you're just hiding now. Okay, that's okay. Uh, I know who you are. All right, here you go. <laughs> uh, what kind of businesses are you looking to bring to St. Paul? Um, and if you're looking at, like, tech startups and stuff like that that are now going into the North Loop, how are you getting them to come over here rather than to Minneapolis? Thank you. Is it my turn now? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the question. I'm not 100% sure why I came back up here, but that was hilarious. Uh, And I'm looking forward to seeing the next half. Uh, We are working really hard to bring tech companies to St. Paul. Uh, We've actually uh, started to really um, uh, recruit events pretty heavily. And so we had an event called Techquity in St. Paul just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We've got a Blacks in Tech National Conference coming to the Twin Cities here uh, later this summer. And so we're excited. We've actually got a lot of momentum right now uh, with some of the new buildings that that we've had come on board. Uh, providing the type of open workspace uh, that folks are that a lot of our tech startup companies are really looking for right now. Uh, so that's been an important part, uh, and really bringing together some of the innovative companies that already exist in St. Paul to tell the story 
of all the innovation that's happening right here. The other thing I'll say is one of our goals around economic growth in St. Paul isn't just bringing companies from some other city, right? The age-old wisdom about economic growth in a city is you find some company somewhere in the suburbs or somewhere in Wisconsin or better yet, somewhere in Minneapolis and pay them some money and get them to move to St. Paul. And that's what economic growth is. Right now, we have over 100,000 vacant jobs in the Twin Cities metro area. For every 10 job openings, we only have eight job seekers. So our economic growth strategy really starts not by saying, how do we find some business to get to move here, but by saying, how do we identify and constructively destroy all the barriers that are keeping the people who are already here from participating and kind of being their best in our local economy? Okay. There was a... Thank you. Mayor Carter, would you consider expanding your um, $50 for advanced education to trade schools and apprenticeship programs? Because not everybody wants to go to college, but most people need something beyond high school. Thank you so much for the question. When I say college, I mean something after high school. So yes, we are already including all of those things. I actually spent six years on the board of St. Paul College, and it's an incredible, uh, uni- it's an incredible school. Uh, we have people all over the city who have three years of college debt, but no degree to show for it. Meanwhile, you can go spend eighteen months at St. Paul College uh, and come out making a real with a career ladder, living wage job. So absolutely, we include those things. I- Honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing how the task force comes back, but my, my hope on it is that if you want to buy a house in St. Paul or if you want to open a business in St. Paul, that we're willing to kind of make those things eligible as well, to invest in St. Paul and invest in your future at the same time. All right. I'm going to race over here, and then there's some along the wall. Oh, look it. You're recording everything. Oh, good. What, what is your definition or how do you understand affordable housing? What does it cost? What would it cost me? That's a great question, and there really is no one definition. Uh, We have a real need for deeply affordable housing for people who are at like 30% of area median income. But what we really need is the whole ecosystem because one of our challenges is we actually have a lot more affordable housing than housing that is accessible to people with low incomes because when people can't find uh, market rate housing or housing at whatever kind of level they really are looking for because our vacancy rates are so low, they go down a level. And so we have kind of a push-down effect in which people who would love to be in market rate housing end up looking for some of the naturally occurring affordable housing that would otherwise be affordable for someone else. So we really need the entire kind of spectrum. Our housing portfolio is really going to include, and we're going to, I'm kind of previewing what we're going to unveil next month, uh, which is kind of three main chapters. One is new unit um, uh, production. So production of new units, we need more. Uh, Two is existing unit preservation, preserving the uh, units that we have, both the kind of physical space and the affordability of those spaces. And the third one is fair housing protections. In my line of work, if you can come up with three bullet points and they all start with the same letter, it's like God's will. And so, uh, so those are going to be the three elements of our housing proposal and that we'll be unveiling that next month. Okay. There were a bunch of more hands here. Hi. Hi. I'm Libby. And um, my husband is retiring from the Marine Corps and we're moving back to St. Paul, even though we're not from here. Um, we Thank love, you for it. We service, love it here. To piggyback on the housing, um, are there, under the fair housing stuff, uh, is there any policy that you're developing uh, towards predatory um, kind of practices that leasing companies are doing? For instance, um, we have about $2,500 out in the atmosphere just holding our queue for applications for housing. And this is not even the application fees. 
It's not the deposit. It's just holding our queue in the spot for the housing. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and we want to put all of that on the table, honestly. The, the high, you know, and, and the, the, the application fees between the kind of security deposits, the folks who are saying you have to have, you know, two and three times kind of their monthly rent to even kind of move in, which is something that's kind of predatory against people with lower incomes, people who won't, won't accept Section 8 or housing vouchers, people who discriminate against people who have a criminal background, uh, have something in their background that could come up on a criminal background check. We want to look into all of those things and say we want to be a space where housing is affordable. And if you want to talk about like a real strategy to make a city safe, make sure that our children and our families have access to safe, stable, affordable housing. That would be maybe the biggest public safety investment we could make. Okay. Uh, there was another hand. Uh, I think I promised her. Sorry. What's your opinion on the light rail between the airport and St. Paul? There's two legs of light rail already, blue and green. Are you in favor of a light rail? Are you in favor of a trolley system? Or are you in favor of sustaining the 54 bus? Uh, I'm, I'm in favor of uh, what's called a modern streetcar right there. You know, I think it's pretty simple. A friend of mine says, you know, you land at uh, the airport, and the question is, do you want to take a train to Minneapolis or a bus to St. Paul? We all know what the answer is going to be, right? Uh, and so being able to close that kind of triangle, uh, that was hilarious, by the way, the triangle up. Um, being able to close that triangle by having a way for people to get to St. Paul by rail, I think, is really important for us. The things about rail is, one, it helps people kind of be able to get around our community. Uh, two, it's still stimulates economic development. If you look at any map of the United States, you can see where the railroad was, right? Because the economic development, where we put our infrastructure, signals to the private sector where they should be investing. So that'll invite more people to invest in our community. It also doesn't end at 1224. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. It also does. The bus ends at around 1240, where you, don't have, you have no other choice but to go into Minneapolis and then come back down, which limits also where you can live. I, I, uh, we have done quite a few shows about transit. I have not heard just modern streetcar versus what, like antiquated streetcar. Uh, so I'm against antiquated streetcars. Yes. Uh, so can you just what is a uh, is modern streetcar unlike a light rail? It operates within traffic. Is that the yeah? I mean, I think it? I think the distinction is a lot of people hear streetcar and they think like old town like San Francisco. Uh, if you look, there's cities like uh, De- Detroit just built one a couple of years back, and yeah, it can share lane of traffic with. I mean, there's folks who feel like you know a light rail as they think about what we just built on University Avenue and try to fit that in on West 7th, that that feels like it doesn't fit in. And I understand those concerns. Uh, With a modern streetcar, yes, it can share a lane of traffic with cars. It can kind of go in and out of traffic. It can have a dedicated right away at different points in time. But the the footprint is much smaller. The station areas are much smaller. And it, it provides a way to provide fixed rail transit on a corridor like that that's a little bit narrower than we have at University. Okay, I'm going to come. Didn't this table already get a question? Uh, All right. Well, other people raise your hand, and then I won't have to be back. Oh, I'll come back over there. You were in the dark, but I'm going to ask. Any easy questions? Okay, here's an easy one. Um, We have some areas of the city where we have what we call food deserts, where there isn't good, safe, nourishing food for people. And I'm especially thinking of the grocery store that just closed across from Sibley Manor on West 7th. What do you think the city's role is in making sure that everybody has access to quality food at an affordable price? 
Yeah, that's critical. I, I get put my wife in the spotlight earlier. She loves it when I do that, which is why I do it every chance I get. Um, but every time we walk through the grocery store, she loves to point out the comparison between the cost of a pack of ramen noodles versus the cost of vegetables or the cost of kind of healthy foods that we were talking about in the first half, right? Uh, and so having access uh, to healthy, affordable foods is absolutely critical. Uh, and so one of our goals is to h- how do we draw kind of a line, one thread uh, through the commu- our community gardens, through our kind of, uh, you know, urban farms that exist right here. We've got some great urban farms in St. Paul. Uh, our, our farmers markets are, you know, some of those gr- neighborhoods that might not have a Cub Foods, but, all, but we've got like ethnic grocers all over this city and all over this community as well. So really making sure that they have access to kind of this whole ecosystem of healthy foods. I actually think that that's a critical thing for our city. One of, the, one of my passions about our city is uh, the opportunity we have to look at some of the things that we've seen as kind of problems and look at them as opportunities. I use the river as the is as, as kind of me, to me the most uh, obvious example. We have more river frontage than any city in America. That's why we're a city in the first place. But what have we done? We've built bridges to get over it. We treat it like a problem instead of saying this is maybe our biggest kind of economic, social, and cultural asset. We ought to be making the most of it. Our diversity is the same way. Our multilingualism is the exact same way. We're so worried about how hard it is to teach kids English as a second language. Meanwhile, every single company in the world needs a multilingual workforce to tap into. Like, we need to see these things as opportunities. One of the places that that really arises is, is in our food traditions because so many of our communities come, have agrarian roots. So really leaning into those agrarian roots and saying we are going to be intentional about creating not just food service jobs, but food systems infrastructure and food systems economy in St. Paul, I think is actually key to, to, to the future that we're trying to build. So I'm, I'm tempted to follow up on the river piece because it sounded like maybe you were proposing a ferry. But instead, I'm going to ask, what, she asked specifically, like, what can the city do? Because, yes, we all agree, like, we want more uh, access to healthy foods. But what is the role that the city can play in that? Uh, a number of things. We're supporting, uh, like, Frogtown Farm and Garden, which I'm sure you may know about. Uh, we're supporting um, 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 uh, urban... Um, um, I just blanked out the name of the organization. I went. They've got a. They've got a, a, a public garden uh, on the on the east side that I went and visited uh, just last week, and I just blanked out the name of them. But we're supporting kind of urban gardening programs that kind of teach young people. Uh, we've used over the past ten years vacant lots to help neighborhoods kind of build kind of urban far, you know kind of urban farms and urban gardens across the city. Uh, we certainly support our farmers markets, not just the one downtown, but all over our city. Uh, and one of the things that I'd love to see us do, and we're talking to some of the folks who lead some of those initiatives to say how. How do we start to put some of those things together so that we can create an ecosystem from our community gardens and urban farms uh, that engages those kind of um, ethnic grocers that I was talking about? And even the Vietnamese restaurants along University Avenue, I believe we can create an economic ecosystem around food systems right here, which teaches our young people how to grow uh, their own food, their healthy, healthy, affordable foods, and provides to our restaurants and our local businesses those healthy, affordable, fresh produce that's coming coming from kind of uh, right locally. Uh, and by the way, it'll have a good impact on the environment as well because those foods won't be coming from, you know, miles and miles away. They'll be coming from right in our neighborhood. All right. Back in this corner. Hello. Hi. couple real quick. Brightside is a nonprofit at St. Thomas, and they bring um, fresh produce to low-income neighborhoods. Look into it. And then two quick questions, one easy one. Have you seen Wyatt Senek's problem areas on HBO? He 
does a whole, his entire series is about policing and it's fascinating and he's a genius and it's depressing, but it's awesome. So then my hard question is... I have a lot of things like that in my life. Yeah, right? I was like, I had to turn it off a lot, but then I was like, no, I should finish it. Um, And he's really funny. But anyway, my hard question is, I recently went through a miscarriage, and I had two DNCs uh, because the first doctor didn't get everything, and so I had to go back to the ER and have a second one. I am now out $5,000, and the bills haven't stopped. So my question is women's health care. What can you do? This is such a horrendous... Like, I didn't ask for this, obviously. So what now? I'm sorry that you went through that experience. I, I was looking for my wife because I think she left because I keep calling her out. But she's in the back. Actually, my wife is a nurse practitioner who has a women's health practice. Uh, so this is a conversation that we have in our house quite a bit. Actually, she brings a lot of context to my work because uh, sometimes I'm like coming home and I've had a tough meeting or two. Uh, and she tells me about some of the experiences that she has at work. And it brings a lot of context into my life uh, on a day-to-day basis. And so uh, it, 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 it points to something important in that we haven't really seen health as the city's job forever, ever. Uh, when we started kind of really putting the city into education, people would say that same thing. It's not our job. And one of the things that I learned is, one, it's clearly important. What's more important? Uh, but two, we as public systems too often make the mistake of defining our job more based on what we did last year than based on the critical needs people are bringing us right now. And so, you know, that, that's also a part of what we're talking about when we say investing in healthy communities. That's what that community ecosystem is about. When we're investing in our recreation centers or investing in our libraries, we've got to be baking right into those things, opportunities to connect people to health care, to connect people to just the supportive resources that exist in our community, to connect people to the healthy foods that can help us be healthier kind of on the front ends. Uh, and because it's so relevant right now, uh, we have to fight against any efforts at the state or at the federal level uh, to eliminate women's reproductive rights and to <laughs> limit women's ab- ability to make choices about their bodies. Just today, actually, we signed on to a brief uh, of challenging the federal government with the Planned Parenthood, cha- challenging the fe- federal government uh, for the challenges that they're trying to make to Title 10. And so we're going to continue to do the things that we can on the local level while advocating with the county through our Department of Public Health, with the state and with our federal partners to say we have to those rights have been hard earned and we cannot let them go. Okay. I have Thank time for maybe question. one more question. If somebody, Oh, okay. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to go back to this handsome gentleman in the back. Mayor Carter, just a quick question given tomorrow in the scooters coming to town. Where can we watch you ride that scooter? I think I'm going to need a practice ride first where nobody is looking. Cause those things kind of go kind of fast. The thing I love about those scooters is watch when you see people ride them, uh, everybody who rides them, their neck grows by at least a half an inch. Uh, you'll watch people kind of downtown, and they're like, <laughs> it's like Groundhog's Day out there. So uh, I think we're going to find a controlled environment where nobody can see, and uh, I'm going to practice myself. Uh, and then at some point in time, we'll post a video on social media of me doing it like a pro. That's where I would look. Look for the curated, edited video of you in front of a green screen with the St. Paul skyline behind you. Uh, And if you can't see my face, don't worry. It's really me. uh, I promise. 
so uh, I, you have mentioned a couple of times there's a big budgeting process that's going, and you have a budget address on the 9th. Is yes. that correct? So I, I, you've given us a couple of hints, a couple of things, but what, what should we expect sort of this as sort of the... I don't know. What's the big surprise? Just nobody's listening. What is right. the thing? Yeah. Just between me and you. You promise, right? Um, so when, when I first ran for office, the, the first event we did, somebody asked me, what's your big idea for St. Paul? And I told them, I think the biggest idea is not only the mayor gets to have big ideas, that we all have big ideas for our community, and we need to give wings to all of those big ideas. Uh, we're trying something different, and that is just doing what we told people that we were going to do. And so when we talk about, when I tell you about the value of our rec centers and our libraries, uh, expect to see that reflected in our budget. When we talk about the need to go all in on housing, expect to see that reflected in our budget. Uh, We have to have a budget that reflects all of our values. If your budget doesn't reflect your values, they're not your values. And so my hope is, that anybody who's been listening to the com- and participating in the conversations we've had over the last couple of years about the future of this city, anybody who's you know heard me speak in the uh, my inaugural address, anybody who came to our state of our city summit or participated in one of these seven kind of community engagement events, uh, that there will be nothing surprising about the budget because it's right in line and it's a direct uh, uh, extension of the values, of the logic, and of the vision for this city that, that we've all had a big conversation about over the last couple of years. And so all in line with the values... You're not going to let me get away with that? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, it's yeah, it'd be weird if you were like, oh, man, I'm going to pull a fast one on everybody. Like, uh, it's totally different. Uh, but, so, uh, well, let me try and phrase it this way then. All these folks are here. They're really looking for it. Everyone's got August 9th on their calendar. Uh, they've taken it off work. Uh, you don't have to take it off work. We're doing it in the evening. It starts at 6 p.m. So you don't have well, to take gonna, it off like, work at all. Well, they're going to, like, pre-party for yeah. the whole time. Yeah, ah, yeah, pre-game. Yeah, pre-game. Exact, pre-game, That's a good the idea. whole thing. Tailgating part. What time does the tailgate start for the budget address? Like I'm noon. Sure. Noon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if they? What is something if they don't hear it, or they should be mad about, or what should they be holding you accountable to? I get to decide. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> uh, I think you know this this vision for our community. I just talked about the need for affordable housing. If you don't hear, uh, if you, I mean, everything that I say. If you don't hear the values that we talk about reflected in our budget, I expect you to hold, hold me accountable to it. And, you know, really everything. Again, housing, we talk about getting our, around our cities differently and needing the ability to kind of support, uh, you know, our, our, our pedestrians and our bicycles and our cars and the, all the different ways that people get around our city. We're talking about the need for kind of real meaningful investments in our recreation centers and in our children and our families. And, and, and please expect to see those things. If you don't see it or see how I'm, what I'm trying to do and don't see what you'd like to see it, there's still opportunities to engage. So, that, so the budget is mine for the first half of the year. I present it to the city council on August 9th is when I'll tell the city council this is what I'd like to see our city's budget be for 2019. But the city council is who adopts that final budget so over the course of the second half of the year they'll have public hearings on our police department budget and our recreation center budget and all of our department's budgets how high the tax levy should be uh, and all of those things and so we need you to engage in that conversation if you support the things that we're talking about now isn't a time where we can just kind of passionately applaud from the comfort of our living rooms now's the time that we really need you to engage i believe wholeheartedly that the model of voting for somebody and then coming back four years later to see what happens, it doesn't work. We need you to get engaged. This is a participatory democracy, and we expect you to be involved every step along the way. 
On that note, please, a tremendous round of applause, Mayor Melvin Carter. Thank you so much. This show was recorded live at the Amsterdam Barn Hall in St. Paul. If you'd like to attend a show in person or even work with us, you can find out more information at our website at www.t2p2.net. It was also made possible by a cultural star grant from the city of St. Paul.